This is the daily lectionary comments for October the 10th. We're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 9. The question, why has God so blessed these people that he's leading them into this land? And Matthew chapter 11, where we compare the, the sort of the religious outlook of John and the religious outlook of Jesus. And we see that when it comes to the world, neither one satisfies. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. The people of God are about to begin displacing the nations of Canaan. Nations, many of which are larger and stronger and older than Israel. There are two things that Moses wants the people to remember and to know absolutely when they ask the question, why has this happened? Number one. The Lord is fighting for you. That's why it's happening. The reason that you are displacing all of these nations is because the Lord your God is fighting for you. And that's why these nations are better, stronger, faster, richer than you are. You're going to displace them because God is going to displace them in front of you. So that's the first thing. God is fighting for you. The second thing that Moses insists that the people remember is that it is not because of their righteousness. God is not looking at Israel and saying, here is a good people. These are people that are the way I want people to be. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give them this land. It is not because of the righteousness of Israel. Actually, there are two reasons why God is driving out these nations. All right, Neither one of them are because of the righteousness of God's people. The first reason is it's because of the wickedness of the Canaanites. And this isn't a comparative thing. It's not as though God says, well, the Israelites are more righteous than the Canaanites, so I'll give them their land. That's not the point. The point is that the Canaanites were so wicked that God has determined to punish and drive them off the face of the earth. Presumably, even if Israel were not to be moving into Canaan, God would still be destroying these Canaanites, much like he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, for example. So it's because of their wickedness that God's judgment is coming upon them. And the Israelites are beneficiaries of that. They're going to be driven out. You're going to be let in. All right, so that's the first uh, thing to remember. It's not your righteousness. It's their wickedness. Secondly, it's because of the oath God swore to your forefathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God is fulfilling his promises because God is a faithful God. And he has promised and swore that you, that to Abraham and to his offspring, would be a great nation and would live in this land. And therefore, the, the uh, Israelites to whom Moses was addressing this uh, sermon uh, are going to be able to go in. God is going to fight for you and God is going to give you this land because those people are wicked and God was judging them and because God made a promise to your forefathers. Note. What is absent from this? God is not doing any of this because you deserve it. God is not doing any of this because he's made a calculation that you are better than they are or that you are good enough to warrant all these things. There are other things which have caused the Israelites to be so blessed. We Christians need to remember the same thing. The reason why we stand in good with God is not because of what we are and what we've done, it's because of what Christ has done. Because of the wickedness of the devil and all that, that have rebelled against God and because what Christ has done and the promises that God has made to Abraham and to 
us through Christ. It's the work of others that have caused us to be so richly blessed. All right, so Moses finishes. He talks about how it's, it's, not, it's not your righteousness, but their wickedness. And, and that the Lord swore to your forefathers, okay? Then he goes on to say, actually, quite to the contrary, okay? Not only were you, it's not your righteousness, but actually, you're very stubborn people. You are not a righteous people. If there was any sense in which I was going to be giving a land to somebody because they deserved it, it wouldn't be you. You've been a stubborn uh, people from the very beginning. And then Moses starts talking about the golden calf. Remember the golden calf. And he goes on quite a long time about this too. Not only today, but also tomorrow's reading. He'll still be going on about the golden calf and what an awful thing that was. That, and, and he doesn't finish with that. Here in our lesson today, uh, he spends, what, verses 9 through 21, just talking about, remember what you did. Remember how I had to plead for you. Remember how the Lord wanted to destroy you, and boy, did you deserve that. He also, he finishes our reading here by talking about certain other examples of how the people grumbled. Uh, these are examples from Numbers chapter 11 and uh, Exodus chapter 17. It's the standard stuff that if you've studied uh, the, uh, the, you know, the books of Moses at all, you're very familiar with the people complaining in the wilderness and the various problems and trials and tribulations that they brought upon themselves. So Moses, in speaking to the people, is turning on its head what he was afraid the people would learn from this lesson, that somehow or another they would believe that they are better than the other nations of the world uh, and, and in, in some fashion deserve what's happening, when in reality they are beneficiaries of a spiritual windfall. Well, people of God, as Christians, we are beneficiaries of a spiritual windfall. In part, the windfall of God's promise that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the windfall of God's promise that he made to David, and the windfall of the work of Christ by atoning for our sins and ascending into heaven, and the windfall of Christ's love for us and his promise to us that he made to us in our baptisms. We are beneficiaries of a spiritual windfall, and for that reason we rejoice, but there's absolutely no reason to boast, for we are not better than others we are definitely more blessed. Now let's look at um, Matthew chapter 11, beginning at verse one. Here we have a very interesting section that uh, we deal with with John the Baptist. And there's a nice contrast here between John and, and his ministry and, and Jesus and his ministry. We're particularly going to look at verses 18 and 19. There are other very interesting parts of our reading today, but time being what it is, we're going to focus here instead. And, and uh, <clears throat> regarding this, uh, what does the scripture say? Verse 18, for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. These two ideas, the um, not eating and drinking and eating and drinking, are stand-ins uh, for two sort of uh, poles or modes of, of biblical theology that I want you to think about. Uh, one pole or mode of relating to God 
uh, is well summed up by the idea of fasting. In fasting, we, we demonstrate our, uh, not just our dependence, but also our unworthiness, our sin, uh, and we practice self-denial. Uh, we prostrate ourselves before God, and, and we are eminently aware of how undeserving we are and what a fearful thing it is to be in the presence of uh, an awesome and just and holy God. So fasting wonderfully illustrates that aspect of biblical theology and biblical worship. The other would be well uh, 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 illustrated by the idea of feasting, of celebration, where we eat, where we drink, where we celebrate what God has done, where we celebrate being in the presence of God, where our focus isn't on our sins, but our having been relieved of our sins, where our focus is not on what we've done to ourselves, but instead on what God is doing for us. So feasting and fasting. It's not that biblical uh, religion is one or the other. Biblical religion is both. And there are some seasons of the church year and there's some aspects of our worship that really focus on the fasting aspect and others that really focus on the feasting and celebratory aspect. So Jesus talks in another place. He says, well, you know, now um, uh, the, uh, you know, the, with the Son of Man uh, coming, you know, we're feasting. But the Son of Man will be taken away and then there will be time for fasting later on. So in, among Christians, we feast. And we fast. Lent is a time for fasting and self-denial and to reflect on our sinfulness. On the other hand, the Feast of the Nativity and Christmas and, uh, and the Feast of the Resurrection is not a fast, but a feast and a joyful celebration of what God has done for us. Actual Christianity is both feasting and fasting. And it's a balance. And sometimes, call, sometimes life calls for one, and sometimes life calls for other, the other, and there's an aspect of our life with God that requires fasting and self-denial, and another part of our life with God that calls for feasting and eating. Now, what Jesus is pointing out here is that it doesn't matter which we do, these people, these Israelites, are constantly complaining. So with John, here he is practicing asceticism and self-denial, and they say he's got a demon. He's, he's possessed by a demon, so he's living out in the woods like that. That's horrible. But then with me, he says, I'm not doing that at all. I'm, I'm eating and drinking and, and whatnot, and, and a lot of celebration in the camp of Jesus. But now for me, they criticize me because I'm, I'm reveling it up with, uh, with uh, sinners and tax collectors. So you can't win for losing as far as these, uh, these uh, the, the first century uh, Jews go. They don't like either poll, uh, apparently. Now the question that I would raise now is, what about today? What about people today do they prefer feasting or do they prefer fasting which do they prefer in our christian religion i will tell you that we have the same problem here as jesus had in the days of of uh, his own days and that is you can't win for losing they don't want either one what they do want is i guess something a little different what we want today in our society what we want from god is not a call to fast or a call to feast we just seem to want affirmation. We just want God to love us the way we are and leave us alone, I guess. Well, God just did not send John or Jesus with that message. And the church doesn't come to this world with that message at all. 
So just as Jesus was criticized, no matter what he did, so also we're going to be criticized no matter what we do. If we do not affirm the way this world is, well, then we can expect to take it on the chin. Oh, well, wisdom, what does it say? Wisdom is justified by her deeds.